eight-week series. We're in week seven of an eight-week church-wide campaign called Jesus in a Secular World. And um, yesterday, we had a master class. We have master classes periodically just to take a deeper dive into what we're talking about on Sundays. And so yesterday, we had Ben Pierce flew all the way back from Minneapolis uh, to be with us yesterday. And um, what the, the thing that you need to know is that this is just the beginning of what God is stirring in our church. And God is taking us just from a program-based evangelism to an evangelism lifestyle. That God wants us, wherever he has placed you in culture, wherever he has placed you in society, listen, God has called you to be a shining light in the darkness. Amen? To be a shining a light in dark places, to share the hope of Jesus Christ, and to shift and transform culture wherever God has placed you. And I couldn't be more pleased to see God continue to stir this church with a genuine love and compassion for people who don't know Christ and who won't darken the doorway of a church. So I just want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting your friends. If you're here for the very first time, you're here just for the food truck, that's okay. We are so glad that you're here. Can we give all of our friends, come on. We're so thankful that you're here. But sharing our faith is a spiritual discipline. Would you agree? But it is a spiritual discipline that is fading fast in America. And though many of us would strongly agree that sharing our faith is, an, is important, many of us don't see it as absolutely necessary. I'm so thankful that my friend, Kevin Forehand, at 17 years old, got radically saved and found it absolutely necessary to tell Dean DeGuara about Jesus when he was a senior in high school. How many of you thankful, listen, that somebody thought it was absolutely necessary to tell you about Jesus? You see, more than half, 56% of practicing Christians report having two or fewer conversations about faith with a non-Christian on an annual basis basis. I'm not talking about a high-pressure sales presentation. How many know that doesn't work? I'm not talking about forcing anything on anyone. Because over the last seven weeks, if you've been in a small group, if you've been here on Sunday, we have been encouraging and being equipped on how to have meaningful conversations with people who don't believe what we believe. And as we've been learning, sometimes, listen, we are living in a postmodern culture, a post-Christian culture. So as Christians, listen, if we don't back up from our assumptions and realize where people are at, we will never connect with their heart and be able to lead them, I love what Regina said, where they are to where they need to be because, listen, we are blind to what is happening around us. 
And so God has been releasing strategy. He's been releasing ideas. And we are just getting started as a church on how to live this out individually. How many know it would be a powerful thing if every one of us in this room shared our story about how we came to Christ? Amen. It would be a powerful thing. So what stops us? What stops us from sharing with others what God has done in our lives? And it can... It, it might not only be about salvation, it might be about healing. My wife leaned over to me. She seen someone in one of the uh, promotional slides and said, you got to hear her testimony. She's been healed. I'm going to say, I want to hear that testimony of somebody being healed or somebody that has received uh, provision or gotten a promotion on the job. How many know when we share our testimony, we overcome the enemy? And so... What, what stops us from sharing our faith? Is it our unwillingness to share our faith? I just don't want to. No. Is it our uncertainty about what we believe? A lot of people are intimidated about what they think they need to know. But how many know all you need to know is Jesus? Or are we unclear about the mission and mandate Jesus gave us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and we talked about how those methods look different for each and every person. You've got to find your method, come on, for the message, amen? And everybody say, my life is a message. You've just got to find your method. Or are we just unavailable? Uh, we learned this in the mask. Are we just too busy for people? Are we just so consumed with ourselves that we don't have time to tell others about the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. You see, we must come to understand the truth that Jesus saves us by dying on the cross, that that is the central and most glorious truth of all Scripture. Can I just say that again? Listen, we must come to understand the truth that Jesus saves us by dying on the cross is the central and most glorious truth of all scripture. You see, the whole Bible is centered on this fundamental reality. No cross, right? No power. A faith without the cross of Christ is not the Christian faith. The place of the cross in the life of the believer can never be overestimated. The cross is the hinge of history. It is the supreme demonstration of the justice, which I'm going to dive deeper in today, and the glory of God. The cross of Christ is the center of gravity. How many know Christ holds it all together? Come on, he holds the world all together. The cross was planned by God before time began and will be celebrated when earthly history has come to an end. Pastor G. Campbell Morgan, he was a 20th century pastor of Westminster Chapel. He said this, every living experience of Christianity begins at the cross. How do you understand today that as believers, as Christians, if you know Jesus this morning, you never graduate from the cross? Let me try this side over here. You never graduate from the cross. Jesus finished the work on the cross, amen? amen? But in the life of the believer, the cross is still at work. Yes. 
In other words, we can never stop identifying with Jesus' death if we're going to identify and live in the fullness of Jesus' resurrection life. That's why this morning, I want to encourage you with a message that I've entitled, Dying to a Secular World. You say, well, Pastor Dean, this is Friendship Sunday. (laughs) But what do I mean by that? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Die to what, you may ask? Die to ourselves. Die to our old ways of thinking that are not working. Dying to our sinful habits, our our patterns, and our cycles. The Bible refers to this as our sinful nature or our old man. Today, Christ calls us to come and die, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. How many like the new? Come on. How many Christians do I have in here that say, I like the new better than the old? Come on. How many are still trying to figure that out, right? You see, the cross this morning is an invitation for us to encounter God's power that brings us from death to life. How many are you thankful we die, but we don't stay there? Listen, we die, we're united in Christ's death, but we're also united in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It leads me to my first point. The simplicity of the cross can set you free from the complexity of a secular world. The simplicity of the cross can set you free from the complexity of a secular world. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged over the last seven weeks in my small group uh, on Sunday mornings and reading the Jesus in the Secular World book. I don't know about you, I've been challenged, but I think we have to resist overcomplicating what Jesus made simple. How many know the gospel is simple? And the enemy, listen, he wants to overcomplicate it. But Jesus came to simplify it so that we could receive all that he has for us. One of the things that I really appreciated about the master class yesterday is that we had a lot of dialogue. So it wasn't just this one-way conversation. Ben actually opened up. He would stop during the middle of his talks, and he would take questions. And a lot of the questions were like, complex sometimes. It was like, dude, like that's a complex question. And I enjoyed it so much because Ben kept taking it back to Jesus's love for people and his willingness to die for them. Listen, no matter how complex, confused, chaotic that life gets, listen, how many know you're just one step away from the love of God, come on, and his willingness, come on, to lay down his life for you. In fact, that's what an apologist does. You know, we've talked a lot about apologetics, and people get intimidated intimidated by that term, but an apologist is simply this. It's one who defends their faith or gives reason behind why they believe the way they do. They clear the weeds of cluttered and contradicting worldviews and bring clarity to the message of the cross. 
Can I just say that again? Apologists clear the weeds of cluttered and contradicting worldviews and bring clarity to the message of the cross, the message of the kingdom. One of the things that we need to have a revelation of this morning is that the love and justice that flows from the cross can cure your lust for a secular world that keeps you longing for something only Jesus can feel in your life. In exchange, when I am free, how many know, listen, if we're going to reach a world, the world can't have us in its grasp. In exchange, when I'm free from the lust of the world, I can have a genuine love for the lost or unbelieving in the world. Again, I'll never reach a world that still has me in its grasp. 1 John 2, 15 15 and 16, don't love the world. And what it offers. Those who love the world don't have the Father's love in them. Not everything that the world offers is good for you, right? Physical gratification, greed, extravagant lifestyles comes, uh, and extravagant lifestyles comes from the Father. It comes from the world. And the world and evil desires are passing away, but the person who does what God wants lives forever. How many know we have to figure forever out? We've got to stop falling in love with temporary pleasure, and we have to fall in love with forever. Let's talk about love and justice for a moment. I think many believers cheapen Jesus' love because they discount the justice Jesus demonstrated on the cross. You see, when we preach the cross, we usually only talk about forgiveness, But it's important to understand, especially when we are ministering to this generation, that we talk about the justice of the cross. In other words, if all we're doing is preaching forgiveness, we are only talking about what God gave us on one side of the cross. Are you with me? But when we include, listen, when we include what Jesus did for us, I am actually more grateful for his forgiveness because I understand the price of obedience and sacrifice that I couldn't pay on my own that Jesus willingly paid for me by taking my place on the cross. And I really believe this is why many Christians understand forgiveness, but they never walk in freedom. Romans 3, 25, 26. I want to show you this in Scripture. It says this, that God sent him to die in our place to take away our sins. Everybody say, that's justice. God sent him to die in our place to take away our sins. Look at the second sentence there. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus. I want us to meditate on that this week. Listen, Jesus, or God sent Jesus to die in our place to take away our sins. If Jesus doesn't, listen, demonstrate justice, listen, we never receive forgiveness. And we have a lot of believers, listen, they are forgiven, but they don't have a revelation of the price that Jesus has paid. So listen, they are stuck in a cycle of sin 
patterns and cycles, and they keep asking for forgiveness. But if we just had a revelation of how much Jesus valued us, listen, we would give everything to him. We would understand the price, the justice that he paid for you and I so that we could receive everything that he has for us. This showed that God always does what is right and fair. Everybody say justice. Verse 26, and God gave Jesus to show today that he does what is right, justice. God did this so he could judge rightly and so he could make right any person who has faith in Jesus, forgiveness. So we have this work of biblical justice, listen, and forgiveness on the cross. You see, without justice being served, being acquitted of our sin would be a scandal, If Jesus doesn't pay our sin, he doesn't take the penalty upon himself and he just lets us go, how many know there's a lot of things that have been unpaid for? But I am so thankful to declare to you this morning that Jesus paid it all, past, present, and future. Maybe you've wondered, well, why did so many people get killed in the Old Testament? Jesus died for those sins too. Without justice being served, being acquitted of our sin would be a scandal. But because Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience, Philippian tells us obedience even to the point of death, even death of the cross. Listen, Jesus took our place. He took upon himself the wrath of God that we deserved, that was due us. And he let me walk free because he was willing to lay down his life. And pay for every sin that I ever committed. You see, Jesus did what was just so I could be justified. I like to say it like this, just as if I had never sinned. That's what he did for me. Jesus made it right so I could be right with him. Some of you are so focused with what's wrong with you, but Jesus died so that you could experience his righteousness, what is right in us, not what is wrong with us. You see, when you have a revelation of justice, the payment, right, the payment of what Jesus paid and the forgiveness of what you receive on this side of the cross, listen, you will never go back. You'll never get sucked back into a secular world that will never satisfy you. Listen, you'll never be intimidated by darkness. Listen, you'll always want to run to the darkness because you want to rescue those, listen, who are bound. You want to rescue those who are being held captive. You're never afraid of the dark when you're a believer. Why? Because you understand what he's done in your life and you're not You're not in bondage to the world. No, you understand the payment and you understand that you've received forgiveness and you can go and you can rescue and you can win and you can see lives transformed. You see, when we have, this was powerful. Ben said this yesterday and I just wrote it down. When we have a revelation of our indebtedness to the cross, nothing can hold us back from reaching a world that desperately needs what the cross did in our lives. Do you hear what I said? <laughs> Gratitude. I know you might be going through trouble this morning. 
But just remember what Jesus rescued you from. What Jesus saved you. Maybe you're right in the middle of it right now and you're wondering, you know, how am I going to get out of this mess? How am I going to get out of this confusion? How am I going to get out of this chaos? How many are thankful that God's not finished with you yet? That from glory to glory, he's changing you. Can I just dive a little bit deeper into this justice piece? Peter, in Matthew 18, comes to the Lord, and he must be having some trouble with some of the other disciples because he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How many ever thought that before? (laughs) Lord, can I just check them off? You know, can I just, you know... He said, seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. 490 times. In other words, Jesus said, Peter, as long as it takes. As long as it takes for you to get to a place, come on, where you're not being held captive by what somebody did to you. Because you have a revelation, not just what I did for you, but listen, the price that I ultimately paid for you. Peter, you're valuable, and so is the person that is getting up in your grill. (laughs) But he tells a story, because he knows Peter doesn't get it, right? How many of you ever need a story, right? You need some explanation, right? And Jesus says, well, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in in who owed millions of dollars. Everybody say millions. Millions. He couldn't pay it. How many of you couldn't pay millions? All right. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, how many of you know that right there could be a life-changing moment for you? That would kind of probably change your life, right? You hit rock bottom. There's nothing else that you can do except cry out. The man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. And his master, filled with pity for him, he re- listen, I want you to see this, he released him and forgave him. He released him and he forgave him. In other words, he wrote it off. Now, check this. Check this out. But then the man left. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down and begged for his life, just like he begged for his life. He said, be patient with me and I'll pay it. He pleaded. But this dude had the nerve to say, to have this man arrested and put in prison until the debt was paid in full. Now, all the bystanders that were watching this situation were like, man, this ain't cool. This is not just. This dude was released and forgiven, and now, over a few thousand bucks, he's throwing this guy in jail. Then the king called the man, verse 32. He had forgiven. He said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt Because you pleaded with me, listen to this, catch this, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? How, this is the question I want to ask you, 
How did the debtor who was forgiven a million dollars leave? And he, he leaves, and, and when he leaves, he goes right to a guy that owes him a few thousand bucks, and he chokes him out and has him thrown in jail. How did he get there? This is what I believe. This man walked away free, understanding grace without a revelation of mercy. This man walked away forgiven, listen, not realizing the price, the justice that Jesus paid, come on, for his release. And so he was forgiven. He was just like, I'm just going to get forgiven again. You see, he was trampling on mercy. He was trampling on justice. He understood grace and forgiveness, getting what he didn't deserve. That's grace, right? How many thankful when, when, you, when you get saved, you get what you don't deserve? Come on, everybody say blessed, blessed. highly favored, favored. right? You get what you don't deserve. You're like, man, wow, God, you're amazing. But he failed to understand justice and mercy. Mercy is this, not getting what he did deserve because someone else paid the price. How you know it's easy to get five meals when you ain't paying for it? Have five meals. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, really, I'm playing. You get the tri-tip and the garlic fries. It'll make everything good today. You see, receiving forgiveness without understanding biblical justice cheapens the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. You see, God just doesn't want you to be forgiven He wants you to live in the fullness of all that he has for you. Listen, he doesn't just want you to be forgiven. He wants you to live in the fullness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Justice releases the mercy of God and forgiveness releases the grace of God. This man received forgiveness without understanding the price and pain and loss the master had to experience personally to provide his freedom. So think about it. Think about the mess you were in. Think about the circumstance and situation you were in. Think about what God delivered you from, sets you free from. Think about the price he paid for you. You weren't a dollar ninety-nine. God wasn't looking for bargains, come on, when he purchased you and I. He was looking, looking, he was looking at the gold inside of you. He was looking at your destiny. Come on, he was looking at your purpose. He was looking at your plan. This is what he died for. This is what the Holy Spirit highlighted to me, and I, I just really feel like the Lord wants you go, go, to go beyond forgiven and to experience a deeper level of freedom in your life. Can I, can I pastor you for a moment? Listen, stop trampling on the mercies of God and be grateful for the price that was paid so that you can experience the power of the cross. You know how we do that? 
I know I don't care if you've been saved two days, two weeks, two years, or 20 years, or whatever it is, but you just throw up your hands right now, and you just begin to give God praise, come on, for saving you, come on, for paying that ultimate price for you. Can somebody in this place just throw up their hands and say, thank you, God, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. God, I thank you for setting me free. God, I thank you for delivering me from alcohol and drugs. I thank you, God, for setting me in a family. And God, I thank you, Jesus, for what you have for me. Hallelujah. Look at verse 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Here's the deal. His lack of revelation of God's justice and mercy led him back to captivity. And listen, God wants you to have a revelation of the justice, the mercy, and the grace, and the forgiveness Listen, so you can walk in total freedom. Jesus paid everything. He didn't hold anything back. He laid it all down so you can walk in the fullness of all that he is and what he has for your life. Secondly, and I'm winding down right here. Pastor Brandon, if you could begin to play. I'm just going to say this. The foolishness of the cross exposes the wisdom of the world. I'm just going to read verse 18. I encourage you to read this whole, it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction or those who are perishing, another translation says. But we who are being saved know that it's the very, come on, power of God. We know, everybody say we know. We don't know about the power No, no, no. We know the power. There's a difference. When you know about the power, come on, that's head knowledge. But when you know the power, come on, when you know the power, that's when you can say, man, I've met God. I've encountered Jesus. He has set me free. I've been delivered. I've been in chains, but I'm now set free. Last week, Ben said something, honestly, that I had to think about. (laughs) He said, uh, God didn't die to make dumb people smart. And I had to think about it because I was like, man, I was pretty dumb before I got saved, right? And I, I agree with that. But listen, what God has done in your life and my life should dumbfound the wise. They should look at your life and go, oh my God, you'll never believe what happened to so-and-so. You see their marriage? You remember their, do you remember their marriage? They got it together now. You remember how many problems they were having? No more problem child. We're talking promise child. You remember how addicted and messed up they were? Not anymore. Man, you should see what they're doing with their life right now. Our testimonies, listen, should dumbfound the wise. 
Revelation 12, 11 says they won the victory over him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh, in our small groups on Wednesday night, uh, we practiced just sharing our testimonies in two minutes. Had to share your testimony in two minutes. It was awesome. And the next week, Agnes Holmes comes back. I've been bragging on Agnes a lot, but Agnes came back. She said, Pastor Dean, we had a time of open discussion of what God is doing in our midst, just in our group, in our, in our table groups. She said, I was in the, the nail salon, and the lady leaned over, and she started asking me just questions and talking to me. And she said that she was retired, and the lady wanted to know more about her retirement. And she said this lady opened the door wide for her to share her testimony. She said, I started sharing my testimony. She said the whole nail salon got quiet. Come on. <laughs> She said, they were listening. And can I just tell you this? Listen, there is a world that is ready to listen. To listen to your story and how God has changed your life. This is why sharing our faith, listen, is essential to our walk with God, not optional with our walk with God. It is absolutely necessary. Listen, that we find the method that God has called us to do. And it's not just living it out. Yes, we all are required to live it out. But I'm telling you, it's actually letting it flow from your lips. Whatever that looks like. Whatever opportunity God gives you. You see, the message of the cross is power. Amen? But the messiness of the cross is death. And death is the doorway to power for the believer. Amen? Death for the follower of Jesus leads me to an abundant life. And if I had to rename this message, I would call it this, the crucified lifestyle. Death is the key to living a crucified lifestyle. You see, some of you under the sound of my voice, you don't understand why you're going, what, why you're going through what you are going through. All the messiness that you are experiencing in this life. You might even find yourself overwhelmed by it. But can I tell you with this? The cross connects it to a greater understanding of God's purpose and work in your life. You wonder why you're having friction at work? Maybe it's because God is trying to humble you. You wonder why you're having friction in your marriage? Anybody? Beside me? Because God wants you to experience a fullness that you have not yet experienced. And a marriage is, the picture, is a picture and a symbol of our relationship with God. Listen, in a marriage, if you want to work, if you want it to work, two people have to die. And in your relationship with Jesus, two people have to die. And Jesus already did. So we have a choice this morning to come to him. But there's three people that always get in the way of this. They all, it always keeps me from living this crucified lifestyle, man. It is annoying. Three people. Can I just give it, give you, tell you their names? Me, myself, and I. So this is what I want us to do. 
We're big boys and girls in here, right? <laughs> I want us to pray this prayer right here this week. Will you repeat it after me? God, will you deal with me? And I just want you to sit there and see what God shows you. Stop blaming everything else or everything on everybody else. Pray that prayer. God, will you deal with me? Secondly, you got to stop self-sabotaging. And this is the prayer that I want you to pray. Lord, deliver me from myself. There's somebody under the sound of my voice. You have negative self-talk. You have conversations with yourself about the negative things in your life. Stop it. Lord, deliver me from myself. Quiet the voice of the enemy. Come on, you can tell the devil to shut up. Listen, remember, when the enemy turns up his voice, Come on, just remind him of the price, come on, that Jesus paid for you. When he tells you you're not good enough, you said, oh yeah, well Jesus paid a high price for me. When he says your life is going nowhere, you just say, oh no, 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 because in Christ, God has a destiny for me. And then the third person, everybody pray this prayer, Jesus, help me to die to I the apostle Paul said this it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I want you to pay attention to the last verse I think I added this so it's not on the screen it says this after all of that great stuff right it says I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. Listen, the cross wants to work a meaningful work in your life. And this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, if you need to put to death, come on, me, myself, and I, listen, will you just lift your hand and you say, Pastor Dean, I'm willing to die so that I can live. Anybody? Yes. Hands up all over the building. You just say, I I need to die to myself. There's some things. There's some friction in my relationships. There's some friction at work. Yes. Hands up all over the building. Will you, everybody, just pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for the payment, for the justice, Lord, and the grace and the forgiveness. God, that you provided on the cross. Lord, I receive everything that you have for me. Lord, in this life and the life after. Lord, I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise today? Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.